The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Vladimir Putin, who are we dealing with here? We're going to talk about World War III. We're going to debate, Liz Wheeler and I, we're going to debate national divorce. Should we have one? Shouldn't we? What's going on in East Palestine now? All that's coming up on I'm Right. Russia is stopping its participation in the treaty about strategic offensive weapons. It does not, we we do not withdraw from the treaty, but we are putting it on hold. Okay. That's Vladimir Putin today withdrawing from something called the START Treaty. It was an Obama-era treaty between us and Russia about nuclear weapons. This all pertains to nuclear weapons. So that's what Russia's leader is saying. Our leader, such as it is, out there saying this. And let there be no doubt, the commitment of the United States to our NATO alliance and Article 5 is rock solid. And every member of NATO knows it. And Russia knows it as well. An attack against one is attack against all. It's a sacred oath. Sacred oath to defend every inch of NATO territory. Ukraine isn't part of NATO. They're not part of NATO. But you know what? Let's let's set all that aside for a moment. Because we'll get to China and everything else here in a moment. There is a question out there that's been on my mind. 
It's just hanging on my mind. I can't get it off my mind. I actually woke up this morning thinking about this question as it pertains to Russia, Ukraine, and us in the world. One big question, and a question that somebody needs to answer. In fact, the answer to this question really should determine everything from here on out. And the question is simply this. Vladimir Putin, I'm not a fan. I don't know him, don't like him. But Vladimir Putin, okay, the world has stacked up against Vladimir Putin for his actions in Ukraine. Now, I, I get all that. I, I get, Putin invaded Ukraine. The world has stacked up against him. I understand it. You understand it. We all get it. We all, we all get who the players are here. The world wants him out. And you're fond, well, you're probably not fond of, but you hear a lot of this. Get him out. Must be defeated at any cost. Nothing for Putin. He must go back to Russia in disgrace. And all these things that sound good, sounds tough. American politicians and political pundits love to get up and say that kind of stuff. We won't give an inch, as if he's out there on the front lines putting rounds downrange. But beyond that, beyond that, the question is, Will Vladimir Putin, is there any scenario, any scenario at all, that will cause Vladimir Putin to pack up his toys and go home to accept a total loss? He gets nothing. No territory, no concessions, no nothing. All he gets is disgrace and a loss. Is there a way that happens? That is the only question that matters. Because if the answer to that question is yes, okay, then let's figure out how do we make him pack up his toys and go home. However, if the answer to that question is no, well, we need to change some tactics here. And we need to adjust some things here. Did you happen to hear the latest from the NATO chief? We are also increasingly concerned that China may be planning to provide lethal support uh, for Russia's war. Putin must not win. Okay. China might start working with Russia to provide lethal aid. I know nobody talks about this, certainly nobody right now talking about Ukraine at all costs, but Russia and China and Iran and Venezuela have done joint military exercises recently. I Look, the world isn't perfect. The world is ugly. I don't like seeing bombed out apartment buildings, people losing everything in Ukraine. It's horrible. Look, it's all awful. I, I, I understand that. I get it. But we're not dealing with your feel feels or my feel feels. Let's set emotions aside here for a moment. If Putin won't accept the total loss, Yet we are going to send tanks and missiles and everything else with the intention of giving him a total loss. And China is finding itself aligned with Putin. That's two major nuclear powers on the planet who've decided to dig in their heels and say no. Well, I think it's time for you and I to acknowledge something that we don't want to acknowledge. And this is just the reality of it. You've lived your entire life feeling safe from attacks from foreign powers. So have I. It's part of the reason things like Pearl Harbor or 9-11 feel so real to us to this day. You get a visceral reaction when you bring up 9-11 to this day. I do too. Why? We were attacked here. S somebody came here and attacked us in our home. And 
we as Americans are used to having this wonderful country and wonderful oceans, two of them, Atlantic and Pacific, nice little buffer there, wonderful Navy, wonderful Air Force. We're used to feeling safe from foreign adversaries. But you and I have got to acknowledge something, and we've got to acknowledge it right now. We're not safe from China and Russia here. Oh, I'm not saying they're superior to us. I'm not saying that in any way. I'm not even saying they're superior militarily. We are not dealing with some goat herders in Afghanistan here. We are dealing with powers who can touch you, you specifically, me specifically, my power gone, my train derailed. We are dealing with foreign powers who have the ability to strike us here at home and hurt us badly. So again, I want to circle back to my question for the third time. I don't know how to take the measure of the man. I know that that's the most important thing in the world. What is the measure of Vladimir Putin? Is there any scenario where he will go home and accept a total loss? And again, if the answer to that question is no, then we have got to change something quickly before we start getting touched here at home. Oh, and did I mention, while China and Russia are forming a military coalition against us, and against the, the President of the United States of America can't even answer a simple no to the question when he's asked if he personally is compromised by one of those two big powers. Mr. President, Give me a break, man. You come my office and ask the question when you have more polite people. Give me a break, man. That's not an answer, Mr. President. Your son has documented dirty ties to the Communist Party of China. How owned are you? Because you have documented dirty ties to your son in his business dealings. How owned are you by one of the two nuclear powers we're currently making angry on the world stage? That's a legitimate question to ask. And how am I supposed to take it when reports come out that we haven't heard sirens, air raid sirens, in, in Ukraine for days and days and days. And did you know this? Because they don't want to start World War III either, Russia agreed to a ceasefire while Joe Biden was on the ground. So already the air raid sirens have not been going off. Russia has agreed, hey, we're not going to start lobbing artillery shells your way. Don't want to accidentally kill the U.S. president. But the U.S. president goes to visit Ukraine, and instead we get some theater performance organized, clearly organized, between the Biden administration and the Ukrainian government to act like he was in danger from the air raids. Um, I've been here for the past five days. I have not heard any explosions. I have not heard any air sirens until about half an hour ago, right when uh, President Biden was in the center of Kiev. Oops, I'm starting to feel a little manipulated here. Are you? And the problem is this isn't some standard domestic political game where they play these games with us and propaganda and they lie. And in the end, we're just a little less free and the money goes you know, a little bit less far. No, no, now we're dealing with big boy politics. Now we're dealing with World War III, these little manipulation games by America's communists 
they have consequences beyond, I think, what you and I want to sit down and talk about. Oh, and do keep in mind, if that World War III kicks off, this is the human being who's going to be commanding America's armies. We build a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific. NATO to the, and the Atlantic, Japan and the Pacific, I mean, across the, across the world. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. Well, the point has been made, including by me, the president went to Ukraine, but it is Ohio that is currently in serious, serious trouble. Mark Morano is going to join us next, and let's find out what are the environmental concerns there? What are these poor people going through? Before we do that, let's do keep in mind, we still have an entire generation of warriors between Iraq and Afghanistan we're trying to put back together again. I got back from Iraq. I was in the initial Iraq invasion. And when I got back from Iraq, I got out of the Marine Corps shortly after my enlistment was up. And so I had to go to the VA for various things, get things checked out and whatnot. But I remember the first time I went to the VA when I got back from Iraq. This was early, remember, this is early 2000s. I, it would occur to me, wow, all these veterans that are here, they're all older, significantly older than me. It was a bunch of Vietnam guys, Korea guys, a few World War II guys rolling around. It's just an older crowd when you walked in. I was a young face. And then as I went to the VA over and over and over again, the faces started getting younger over the years. They started to look a whole lot more like me. We have an entire generation of veterans who are busted up while they rev up World War III. We need to help those veterans. The VA is falling short, to put it mildly. Boulder Crest is out there. They have something called Operation Struggle. Veterans, hear me out. It's for you if you're struggling. These veterans are having a hard time getting back into the world. Boulder Crest is getting them back into the world and helping. Let's help Boulder Crest do that, huh? Go to bouldercrest.org. Give what you can. Volunteer. Give money. Whatever you can do. Bouldercrest.org, right? We'll be back. As a father... I trust the science. I trust the methodology that this state is using. If the EPA uh, said that, your water is said that my air quality was safe, and the state said that the water has been tested and the water quality is safe, then I would trust those readings. I am asking that they trust uh, the government, uh, and that's hard. We know that there is a lack of trust, which is why the state and the federal government have pledged to be very transparent. Just trust the government. Why don't those people trust the government? What's their problem? Joining me now, Mark Morano, climatedepot.com, author of the book, The Great Reset. Mark, I don't know why those people in East Palestine won't just trust the government. You know, I don't know. When they say, you know, you'll, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, why can't we just trust that? Although I must say, Jesse, in this, in this version, it's you'll drink toxic chemicals and you'll be happy. Trust us. Uh, th there's a million reasons why no one should trust our government and actually, you shouldn't trust government and corporations, big media. Uh, everyone has proven untrustworthy. And in this specific incidence with this Ohio train derailment, they have been essentially lied to from day one. Everything attempted to be minimized, claiming they were doing EPA testing when it was uh, industry-related, funded, tested, uh, talking about this decision that the governors all completely enthusiastically signed off on to implode all of the chemicals into the atmosphere, which they then later say that they weren't given more options. I mean, 
It has been a disaster. And the last thing anyone should do is trust the government. And the last thing any government official should say is trust the government. But of course, that's the first thing they say when they finally show up on site uh, under pressure. One thing I find extremely inspiring is that our Secretary of Transportation, he's going to go out there and check things out. Here he was. Sure. When are you going to go to East Palestine? Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters, natural and human. Really? He dealt with disasters, Mark? Uh, you know, as the mayor of South Bend, I don't know what kind of <laughs> level we're talking about here. <laughs> South Bend, but... Here's the thing. He He's acting as though they're on top of this. Here's the big picture. The reason there's been no government response is there's no climate change link to this, at least ostensibly no climate change link. I'll get to that in a minute. But he, just two weeks ago, Secretary Pete went on TV and actually said every transportation decision in the 21st century is a climate decision. Direct quote, Jesse. So when that happens, if, if they, if he probably got a call. He had a train derailment, uh, toxic hazard chemicals, vinyl chloride, you know, same thing they use in, uh, you, know, ser you know, in essentially w w war weapons, uh, weaponized gas. And his answer was, is there any climate angle? No, ah, well, I can't be bothered because every decision is a climate decision. And that's essentially what happened. Climate change has literally hijacked the environmental agenda the transportation and our infrastructure agenda, if it can't be turned into a happy press release about EV buses or some kind of transportation, you know, a futuristic train that's electric, they're not interested. Uh, and that's where we are right now. So when he, when he says, you know, we were on this, that's a lie. They weren't on it because A, these are poor white Trump voters, not you know, equity decisions, and this is not happening in Beverly Hills or Georgetown and Washington or the Hamptons or somewhere where they have a huge, wealthy constituency to push them. These are people that didn't matter to this administration, and that's why they have been left to flounder. Gosh, that's so sad. Mark Morano, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate it. All right. We still have so much. We still have so much. You want to see a uh, debate? You're about to see one between Liz Wheeler and I in a second. Before we get to that, there is no debate about your wallet, though. My wallet is superior to your wallet. And maybe you're saying, Jesse, that's insulting to my wallet. Well, yes, that's exactly right. I lived for years, like you, with an inferior wallet. Either some foldable thing in my back pocket, it hurts my butt when I sit down, or or I went to the smaller little sleeves that you put in your front pocket, just a few credit cards, and of course that wears out, and soon your American Express card's falling on the ground. But now I have a Grip6 wallet. Now all my cards are locked in this hard case wallet. Hard case. They're not falling out. They're not wearing out. If I want them out, I just squeeze, and they all come popping up. Multiple designs available. This company, they also, not only is all this American-made, belts, greatest belts ever, they're socks like mold to your feet. Go get you some Grip6 gear, man. Grip6.com slash Jesse, all right? Grip6.com slash Jesse. We'll be back.
National divorce. That one always gets a bit of pushback whenever I bring it up. And look, everyone knows what I've said about it. I've said it a thousand times. Shouldn't We shouldn't be living together. We are, we are a couple with nothing in common now, and all we do is throw things at each other and get the cops called on us now. I'm not naive. I don't think it's going to happen, at least not the way I want it, but it's something that's made its way into the national consciousness. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman, yesterday, quote, we need a national divorce, and she, needs, she goes on to talk about separation between red and blue states. I don't know. I want to hear what Liz Wheeler has to say about it. Maybe she'll yell at me. Joining me now, the great Liz Wheeler of the awesome Liz Wheeler Show, which you can watch right here on The First TV. Liz, I, want, I don't want to live around these people. I want a divorce. I know. When you said that I would yell at you, it actually made me laugh because I was in my head when you were giving the introduction. I was deciding what the most polite way to completely disagree with you was because <laughs> I, I think a national divorce is a terrible idea I, I, for a couple of reasons. Hear me out here. First of all, and I, 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 I don't want to usurp your role as the host here, but I'm actually interested in your explanation of what a national divorce is. Is this something that entails a civil war? Is this something where we just, um, where people that are Republican move to red states, people that are our liberal move to blue states. What does this actually look like? Because I don't, I don't foresee any circumstance, regardless of what it is, that this would work. I mean, do you want bloodshed? Okay, that is actually a very good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I realize we do have some new viewers on this one. Uh, I want a national divorce specifically because I want to avoid bloodshed at all costs. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I believe we are on a collision course as a nation where people are going to start getting hurt on the regular basis. I don't want that. I don't want the cops called anymore. I think it would be better if we just sat down, and I'm not naive, I know this is not going to happen, but I think it would be better if we just agreed that we hate each other, sit down, and let's divide up the assets and liabilities. <laughs> Who gets the kids on the weekend? Who gets grandma's china set? Now, I understand it's not going to happen, Liz, but I also argue this, full disclosure, I say it's already happening anyway. We are now, because we are at least two different societies, people are moving. The, the, vote, the numbers on people moving already shows you that. People will not live under this. They won't live under that. We're already right. separating. How eventually that happens in the end, I don't know. But to answer your question in a shorter way, I want a national divorce because I don't want a single drop of bloodshed. That's why I want it. Okay, so I understand your feeling here. I understand. I think we all feel the same way, right? We see these neo-Marxists, these communists looking at us, um, trying to coerce us to adhere and celebrate their ideology. They're coming after our children. They're coming after our churches. They're coming after our institutions. And it's horrible. So I, to I totally share your opinion. I don't want to live in a place that these people have access to my family, have access to my religion, have access to my children either. However, what you're describing wouldn't work because it's making an assumption about the ideology of the left that isn't true of the left. And the assumption, the assumption that would be necessary in order for a national divorce to even work would be assuming that the left wants to live by their values and their morals in their own homes, mind, you know, minding their own business, and that we do the same. You know, whether this is next door neighbors, whether this is a different city, whether this is a different state, uh, it's almost more of a libertarian mindset that would be required for this to work, this sort of mutual tolerance of differences, this, this parallel economy. Um, but we know that that's not what the radical leftist ideology is. We know that even in the reddest of states, take Kansas, for example, what's, what's a redder state than Kansas? The radical left could not 
um, could not accept the idea that the people of that state might want to ban abortion after Roe v. Wade was overturned. What the radical left did is they paid a lot of money to export their lies, their propaganda into Kansas to impose their ideology on those people in that state. Um, we know that this it's an imperialist ideology, right? They want to break our families apart. They don't want us to respect their pseudo family structure. They want to come and force us to drop our religion, to close down our businesses, to celebrate their their religion, really their ideology, or else use the use the the force and the power of the law in order to coerce us. So I think it wouldn't work because we wouldn't just divide, separate, and you know call it a day. They still want us. They would never. They would never accept that. that. That's sort of the practicality of the thing. I think there's actually a bigger reason not to do this though. And the reason is it's a loser mentality. It's a defeatist attitude. The only reason that someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene would even consider a national divorce is if she thinks she can't win. Do you sit here, do you think that we can't vanquish these communists? Do you think that they are unbeatable? Do you think that we are such losers that we can't figure out how to counter their strategies and their tactics and their infiltration and their indoctrination in a way that actually obliterates that ideology from taking over the United States? I refuse to take part in a loser mentality. I refuse to surrender not only the geography of our nation, but think about California. California is a very blue state, but in the recall election for Gavin Newsom that took place a year or two ago, there were five million Californians who voted to recall Newsom. We would be surrendering those people, Republicans, common sense individuals who live for better or for worse in blue states who might not have the opportunity to move away. I find that to be so amoral, so such an atrocious idea that we would surrender those people, because it's not just vague states, as we are surrendering states because we think we are too loser to defeat the Marxist ideology, I reject it outright. Okay, counterpoint. One, I don't want a single Republican in California left behind. It should be noted that Jesse Kelly's wonderful national divorce plan involves a grace period so people have time to move and live under the government of their choosing. But two, I want to get to the other part of yours. What you said about them not letting us go, I've heard this argument before, and it's by far the best argument against national divorce. You're not wrong. You're 100% right. These people are ravenous wolves who would come for us in a heartbeat. You're correct in that. But however, you're incorrect about something else. This attitude we have, and I respect it. I love, I've always loved you for being such a fighter. But this attitude we have of, I'm not surrendering a thing, that sounds great. But in real life, so let's focus on military campaigns. In real life, that's not how it works. The enemy has troops too. The enemy fights too. The enemy seizes ground too. And sometimes tactical surrender so you can move your troops to a better part so they don't get wiped out is great generalship. We have a country. George Washington gave us this country because that's what he did. He wouldn't fight forever. Nope, not going to fight here. Nope, you can have that. Nope, going to back out here. Tactical retreat is not, it's not surrender. It's not cowardice. It's necessary. And if you don't do it, you're all going to get wiped out. That's what I say. Well, my, my counter counterpoint to that would be what's the limiting principle on that? I mean, apply that not just to these these flowery sounding military rhetoric, which sounds great. I understand the point you're making. That's true in, in a conventional war, but apply that to the family unit. 
are you going to surrender? Are you going to surrender one of your children and say, okay, well, sometimes you have to give up a little bit of the property. You can't have everything. You got to retreat before everyone's wiped out. You would never be willing to sacrifice your wife or one of your children. And that's the same thing. We'd be sacrificing somebody's wife, somebody's husband, somebody's children, because it's not just land. It's not just geography. It's not just boundaries around states. These are real people that we're talking about. So no, I'm not willing to do a tactical surrender. I don't believe, I don't believe that the choice is is that defeatist. I don't believe that we have to choose between either either tactically surrendering part of our country or losing all of it. I believe that we can win it all. Not every person's heart and mind, but from a legal standpoint, I believe we can eradicate the communist ideology if we identify, acknowledge the reality of it, understand how they're fighting, and then ruthlessly fight back against them. We started doing this in the last couple of years. It's not just some it's not just some utopian idea of mine. Okay. I respect that. That's a good argument. Liz Wheeler, The Liz Wheeler Show. Appreciate you, Liz. Thanks, Jesse. All right. Speaking of fighting, we have a heavyweight boxer on next. That'll be fun. I'm wondering if he wants to fight Liz Wheeler. I'm kidding. I'm sure he doesn't want to fight Liz Wheeler. But let's talk about your dog. I will admit something to you. I didn't want a dog. I, it's not that it's not that I don't I don't like dogs. I grew up with dogs. I just didn't want the extra hassle. We have sons. Boys need a dog. We, we were kind of under that philosophy, so we bought them a dog. This idiot, and they named him Fred. And now I love the stupid dog, and I'd like it if he would stick around as long as possible. So I give him rough greens every day. Well, more specifically, the boys actually do because they feed him every morning and night. But for his breakfast, he gets the same dog food but he gets rough greens poured over the top of it. All natural nutritional supplement. He used to puke up every meal. He has a sensitive stomach. Of course, I would get a dog like that. He doesn't do that anymore. Thank you, rough greens. They're giving out free jumpstart trial bags right now. All you pay for is the shipping. Go get one for your puppy. You might just stick around a little longer. Go to roughgreens.com slash jesse, all right? Roughgreens.com slash jesse. We'll be back. One of the things I like, well, like and dislike about this current world we have is there are a lot of dudes in this society. I'm sure women too, but I'm not going to speak for women right now. There are a lot of dudes in our society who grew up without a good father or a good male influence in their lives. And when you get older, and you, you need that direction, you need help. So I don't like that part, but here's one part I do like. I do like that there are people out there, easy, readily available people out there that are offering these lessons. Lessons men need, lessons a lot of men didn't get through no fault of their own, lessons that are gonna help us all be a little bit better. One of the best accounts out there if you're on social media on Twitter, and I'd highly recommend his Substack for this kind of stuff, not politics, just more life stuff is Ed Lattimore, former heavyweight boxer who will punch your head off your shoulders. And you can also find him at edlattimore.substack.com. Ed, first of all, who are you and where'd you come from? Hey man, so I'm Ed Lattimore. You hear me all loud and clear? Got you loud and clear. Just making sure. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm Ed Lattimore, man. And I, I, I came from came from another human just like the rest of us. And that was I was born in Pittsburgh, PA. Grew up there. Uh, Typical kind of at-risk youth childhood, single mom, 
public housing and all the whole nine and I faced a lot of those issues that you were talking about and you know you figured figured things out through a lot of a lot of hard work um a lot of a lot of events you know putting myself into these difficult positions because I think one of the things that that you don't get when you don't have a masculine influence in the, uh, around or in the house or anything positive really like that of a masculine nature you don't realize the necessity of pushing yourself and getting uncomfortable and and really seeing what you're made of but but not in a way where it's like you know i see a lot of the stuff that's online today where it, it talks about this idea of getting out of your comfort zone being pushed to you uncomfortable but it's like nah you know the, it, it's one thing to do it consciously you, you're not going to push hard it's, it's a totally different story when you're when you're in the ring or when you're when you're in the street or you're figuring out how to feed yourself that kind of stuff uh yeah so so i picked all that up and i really think i've turned into a um certainly someone that is you could do worse uh in terms of people to listen to uh, i think i have i think i have a lot of, of good things to say at the very least what i try to do is live a good life for myself and and everyone else, if they follow that example, I think it'll turn out pretty well. Yeah, no, you're one of the better ones for that kind of stuff. Ed, you talk about making yourself uncomfortable a lot, especially as a man. Explain that to me. Why should I want that, Ed? I don't want, I don't want to be uncomfortable. As soon as I'm done and I take the CRP side of my ear, I want to throw on some sweats, <laughs> and I want to sit down with the pizza, and I want to put my feet up on the couch. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Why do you want me to be uncomfortable? You know, so, so that's not... First of all, there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. That's that's how we um, how we're designed. The way I learned to say it, the most general way in physics is that all all organisms seek the most energy efficient configuration. I.e., we try to we try to get as most for as little as we can put out. But but there's no if if you only do that. There's only so much you can get. You'll get just enough to survive, and then that's pretty much it. And yeah, like, like, look, survival is easy, and it's gotten even easier. Like, there's a lot of people alive today who are only here, you know, because fresh drinking water is never more than 15 minutes away. You know, it, it's not, it's not a very hard life. But you, you need to be exposed to these difficulties. You need to break out of that homeostatic kind of comfort zone to become more capable and more efficient. Because look, life will get harder. That, that's one thing that is like very clear that whatever you're doing at 20 or however you're living it's it's harder than it was to do at at 15 and you can't really you don't really know but then when you turn 25 you look and see oh man some of these some of these cats i went to school with they're all good they got money they're, they're living but not everybody so you can kind of ignore that but by 30 it's like ooh, we're bad and by 35 it, it's nuts and after that you know you just kind of kind of disappear and you're all you're in you're stuck in your ways unless you you shake yourself out of that comfort and that means you have to do things by definition that are difficult because it's not in that zone of energy efficiency you know like something basic that everyone uses as an example but it's very true and illustrates the point well going to the gym and building your body up well, it, it really is awesome to just sit around and, and I mean I don't think it's awesome anymore it makes me sick to think about it but at, at some point uh, a lot of us think it's awesome or thinks it's awesome or thought it was awesome to, to chill out watch Netflix all day and 
and eat junk food and, and, and drink soda or beer or whatever your poison is. But, but okay, but you're going to get older. Your body is going to degrade. It's going to start breaking down against time, against gravity, just against the, the forces of life. And if you don't build that up, uh, right, you'll, be, you'll, you'll end up spending the, the, your last years, which will be shorter, by the way. You won't have as many. You'll end up spending them sick. It's the same if you don't, don't work and develop a skill. It's, it's very easy to just be stupid. Very easy. Uh, being stupid doesn't really pay well, so <laughs> you probably should not be as stupid as as you can be, unless you're like a great athlete, and even then you might do something dumb. But but that's a scenario too. You still have to work very hard. There there's no way around this if you want to have anything that resembles a nice time on this planet. And you only got what. 70 80 years you know hopefully they're nice they're, they're a good time you're not you're not suffering <laughs> you know ed rites of passage you talk about this you've written about this rites of passage why does that matter because you have to be look when you're a kid being a kid is cool because you you get to you, know, you you get to go take risk and it's kind of assumed that you don't know what you're doing and not only assume I mean you you really don't that's what parents are for they're there to go oh that's a really bad idea you shouldn't do that and if and if it's too bad of an idea not only you know tell you not to but then correctively uh, change your mind about it in the future or dissuade you with some type of discipline that's the idea that's what parents do well there comes a point. Where, where you're not going to have that parental guidance. Now, society recognizes this at age 18. At that point, you're charged as an adult if you commit a crime. Uh, you know, there's the debate out there that we should extend that out or at least give, give some consideration because the prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain that says, yo, the future's coming and we probably should do not do this or do this. Uh, it's not fully formed to your 25, but... Um, you're not really an adult until a certain point by society's legal standards. But there comes a point where you have autonomy. And autonomy comes with uh, more freedom, but it also comes with responsibilities and you're no longer shielded from the consequences of the dumb stuff you do. You have to eat the whole thing. You know, back in the day, they actually used to, you know, if the crime's heinous enough, they will charge you as an adult. And I just like going there because I want to compare the legal system to, to how we look at this and maybe where they got the idea from. What a rite of passage does, in theory, is that it, it exposes the child to an event that will force them to become an adult. If not legally, then certainly in, we'll, we'll say, conduct, okay, where people will look at you and go, you know better, now we'll treat you as if someone who knows better. You no longer get to hide behind innocence. You know, the the, the, the lack of exposure to consequences and, and the tough parts of life. So so we all need the type of rite of passage. We all need to figure out how to struggle and survive on our own. You know, one of the debates I, I've gotten into repeatedly on social media is about the idea of like you know when should a child move out of their parents home and I've heard all types of arguments on different sides of it uh, and and some of them and then they're good points they make but ultimately what I go with is that 
at some point a child has to learn how to sur- like has to learn survival. It's not about getting out and being completely comfortable because your parents, if your parents are any type of, of people, they're not going to let you fail completely. But you should probably believe they will, and that will motivate you to make the right decisions and things like that. Is in regards to little basic things like finances, cleaning your house, paying the rent on all the time, little stuff like that. Simple rite of passage for society. But here's where we're at. People are arguing with me that that's a bad idea. You should let your kids stay until they're completely ready to get out on their own. And I'm I, I, once again, I'm not saying you know boot them out at 18. Get out. Go figure it out. You'll, you'll fly. But at the same time, the idea that they can just stay until they're ready and comfortable to move on, this comfort idea, we're, we're so obsessed with the idea that, that things shouldn't hurt. And that anytime there's pain, that means that we, we've made a, a wrong decision. And in the short term, perhaps that is correct, like in, in the pure sense of the word of what pain is, but it's a necessary decision. You know, it's, 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 you, you gotta get your lumps. It's like there are certain stoves you have to touch to know they're hot. Uh, and and it doesn't matter how many times someone tells you they're hot or how tough the calluses you get on your hands are somehow, you, you have to touch them and go, that's just not smart. And part of that, that's part of growth. Part of growth, you know. Uh, no. John Hyde, yeah. John Hyde has a, has a great stuff with Dr. John Hyde about the coddling of the American mind and how you know, more or less, the, the TLDR kids aren't taking risk anymore. They're not going on dates. They're not getting their driver's licenses. They're not socializing. You know, we got 27% of men under the age of 30 who are virgins. And how does that happen? That that happens, you know, because look, man, you could, to keep a PG and television friendly, there's somebody for everybody, right? <laughs> but, but it's a lot easier, you know, with, with the internet and, and all of the, uh, the artificial intercourse that you can see to not do that, to shield yourself from taking these risks and getting uncomfortable, getting rejected, that kind of thing. Work on your body, improving your finances. The whole thing is, is a mess. Ed Lattimore, you are the best, man. Go subscribe to his Substack. I appreciate you, brother. Hey, thank you for having me, man. You bet, man. I love that guy. All right, we got Light in the Mood next. Before we get to Light in the Mood, you know what's hard? Losing all your money. That's really hard. Uh, look, we all had a year. You probably have, if you have any kind of investments, 401k, IRA, you probably have it on your phone, don't you? How'd you do last year? I don't know about you. At one point in time, I deleted the app. Call Oxford Gold Group today. You know what they'll do? And by the way, I want to stress this. I love these emails you sent me about how nice they are to work with, how laid back it is. I want to, This is not some buy gold today! You're, you're not going to get anything like that. Real chill, real relaxed. What they're going to do is they're going to incorporate gold and silver into your 401k and IRA, making sure you what you've worked hard for is still there for you, alright? Call 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse told you to call. They're super chill. It's something we all need to do, especially given the financial news out there. 833-995-GOLD-OXFORD-GOLD-GROUP. We'll be back. Speaking in front of people. As, as we go into lighten the mood here. Speak, speaking in front of people is one of those things that some people find terrifying. 
Maybe you are one of those people. And it's, it's one of those things that's not an issue for me, but I will tell you, I get it. I get it. You're a flesh and blood human being. You have to stand up in front of other human beings. Maybe it's on a Zoom call these days or a conference room, or maybe it's a full auditorium and you have to speak about something. What are all those other people going to think about me? Do I have a booger hanging out of my nose? Imagine. So imagine this. I think about this a lot, like these game shows, these TV game shows. Imagine going on there. Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortunes, that's where we're going here in a second. Imagine going on there and having an embarrassing moment. With all these people, millions of people watching you on TV, how bad would that suck? Would you ever sleep again? Well, you would if you had a ghost bed. Even if you embarrassed the daylights out of yourself, you can still sleep easy knowing that you have the greatest mattress ever, an American-made mattress, by a family company that's been doing this for a very long time. Go check your mattress now. Check where that mattress was made. Go get a ghost bed, especially while they're 30% off right now. 40% off if you get the adjustable base with it. You know, you just kind of press a button and you lean up in the bed. It's glorious. Go to ghostbed.com slash jesse, promo code jesse, and it'll help you sleep off this embarrassing moment. This embarrassing moment courtesy of Wheel of Fortune. Yes, there is an age. Uh, solve it or spin it or... But do something quickly. You um, I'll spin it. Okay. Okay, what letter for you? I'll go with a... G. No. Uh, Juliana, it's your turn. I'd like to solve the puzzle. Yeah. Fresh tropical fruit. Yeah. You know, when that happens and you're sitting at home, you're saying, how in the world can you? But you know, sometimes it's a word that just doesn't want to come into focus for you. I'll see you tomorrow. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 